Scorpios. It's The Rush with Jenny Lehman and Tyler McComas. If Oklahoma joins the SEC, um, would you be excited to kind of rekindle that rivalry? I, I kind of like the rivalry we got with Arkansas. I mean, I don't remember the last time they beat us, so I, I kind of like that one. And the battle line rivalry, I mean, it's pretty good for us. So, but I think we'll just keep that one right now. That person sounded incredibly scared. <laughs> Drink sounding scared? Nah. <laughs> Not him. Not him. Oh heck! I think we'll uh, we'll keep the rivalry we got going right now with Missouri Valley State. Yeah, pretty convenient. Nah, we won't be rivalries with uh, with OU. We'll we'll just keep it with Arkansas right now, who's been uh, crap for the past decade plus. You know, um, that that clip had me thinking. I was thinking about how we're going to start the show today, and Eli Drinkowitz is uh, he's kind of in the news cycle around here. It mm-hmm. seems like he consistently is with some things that he said. My uh, my Jimbo library is built up really nice. My Tom Herman library was built up quite nicely. My Eli Drinkwitz uh, sound clips are starting to get are starting to get towards the higher end of individuals yeah. that we have uh, audio clips for, and that is probably a good thing because it feels like he might uh, he 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 and OU. I'm not going to call it a rivalry just yet. I, I'm not going to use that word. But it, it could uh, it could be a thing for 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 several years potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't know a whole lot about him other than isn't he from Norman? I think he was born in Norman. Is yeah. uh, the story with him? Yeah. Um, and then I guess Arkansas. I, I don't know, but that's pretty funny. Uh, the script writers for college football have uh, you know whenever. When the SEC said, um, or whoever it was, was it Sarkey or Sankey? Sankey, sorry. Sarkey. Uh, Please, can we call him Sarkey from now on? That'd be great. Um, yeah, Sankey. Was it someone said that there that we had a rivalry with Missouri right away? Right? It, who was that? I, we were I laughing think it about was. It. Uh, I probably have this as well. I think it was Sankey that kind of hinted at, well, you know, OU and uh, Missouri could rekindle their rivalry, and we instantly got pissed yeah. that someone else was calling it a rivalry, and it was like, God, they're going to make us play those dorks every single year. So I think yes. it was him. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Little did we know that they had already written into the script that they were going to uh, swoop in, take a five-star recruit from us, and... Uh, get a transfer portal five-star recruit from us. And what do you know? Just like uh, Sarkey predicted, we've got a new rivalry with Missouri, rekindled. Oh, so you're using the R. You're, you're saying it. The R oh, word, get, rivalry well, now. Okay. Well, well, hey. I'll let you have I it. I don't know what you call it, but whenever both fan bases would like to meet each other in an empty field and kill one another, I'd call that a rivalry. That's what's happening right now between the two, isn't it? Nine, yeah. Nine, <laughs> yes. 918, did you guys hear about Sarkey talking about OU and the Meth Aggies in the offseason? So you've already got it started go. to call him Sarkey on the uh, text line. Je- Jeff from OKC says, Dorkowitz, 
might not want the thunder. Well, he's got it. Didn't his mom tell him not to stand behind Boomer or Sooner? You might just get kicked. That's funny. Yeah, well, we, uh, we're we in full swing. Well, uh, by the way, welcome back. Huh? Yeah. Was, oh, well, I guess you got welcomed back yesterday. Yeah, I, but I was gone two whole days, but I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, it felt like an eternity. I think the the ref army uh, echoes that sentiment. I mean, mm. we just we missed you like crazy. I uh, I dorked out at one moment on the on the trip. So mm. we went to the Broadmoor in, in Colorado Springs, and that used to be owned by the Gaylords, right? So when you guys were playing Air Force in 2001, there were a lot of uh, OU fans. And, and the, um, I believe the Gaylord still owned it at that time, back in 2001. So there was a guy that worked there, that he's worked there for 30 years or so. Older gentleman, like awesome. And he asked where we were from. And he said, oh, Oklahoma fans, right? And it's like, by God, yeah, Oklahoma fans. Is, is there any other team around there other than OU? He told the story of the Gaylords inviting 100 guests from Oklahoma to the Broadmoor. And I guess there were 100 100 white cars with 100, he called it burgundy flags on the car. Hmm. I didn't have the heart to correct the man. But, yeah, apparently that was the hot spot uh, back when you guys played Air Force in 2001. And there were 100 white cars with 100 OU flags uh, rolling all around Colorado Springs that weekend. Now that you mentioned that, I faintly remember. Did the team stay there? I, I he said Barry Switzer stayed there. I don't, huh? I don't okay. know if the, if the team stayed there or not. It's it's on the complete opposite side of town, so that wouldn't have been the best move for you guys yeah. if that was the case. Well, very cool. We had a, I guess you would call it. Um, you know, whenever you think of years past, a, a pretty smooth, clean, no surprises signing day. Are you happy with the class? I mean, I, yeah, it's the best D-line class in recent memory. Uh, yesterday was smooth. It was easy. I, I do think that there's some uh, position groups that are maybe a little bit undervalued or not talked about as much because the mm-hmm. defensive line class was so important. It was so good. Um I, I think Brandon Hall and Jay Valai once again signed a really good class, you know? Yeah. And Brandon Hall last year was Big 12 Recruiter of the Year by 24-7 Sports. I would say safety is OU's best position right now, um, mostly because Billy Bowman's coming back, but they also have young talent. Like, if we're going to talk about positions that we can expect to be pretty consistent throughout the next five years or so, safeties is kind of set up to be one of the first positions that I would bring up because there's yeah there, there's there's a lot of talent that's played a lot of ball but a lot of young talent there as well and another good recruiting class from those guys yeah I mean as long as as long as you're able to uh to keep everyone uh, you know at, with the program then yeah I agree with you safety is it's deep it's athletic uh, there's some guys in there that are incredibly aggressive. A bunch of guys that are versatile, different body types. You know, I I totally agree. And yeah, you're right. The 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 defensive line, and you know, you you talk about some quarterback and stuff like that. Often steals the the thunder whenever it comes from uh, you know talking about the popularity or whatever. Some of the guys here, but 
you you'd be hard pressed to find a better position group than the secondary with what all they put yeah. together and you know, I, I don't know how it stands up as far as star rating, but whenever you look at the actual players and how good they are and what, what a lot of people that have watched them closely honestly think about them, it's, it, it may be the strongest group of the whole, whole class. Who does uh, two-star Teddy – has two-star Teddy evaluated a player that's not being talked about enough but you think is a diamond in the rough or underrated in this class? Well, uh underrated nationally it's the easiest ever it's eddie pierre louis i mean that's really well depending on which service that you look at (laughs) well he's not a three-star and you know i when you were gone i had a a long rant about how in the hell anyone anywhere that evaluates football players sees a 320 pound offensive lineman run a 12 second 100 meters and says say he's a three star like, and, wa- and the strength that he has as yeah. well you know he doesn't even have to play football and he's a four star football talent like if he was a a track athlete or a on the swim team basketball player whatever and you see that size and that athleticism he's instantly at a minimum, a four-star. So I would say, I'd say Eddie Pierre Louis nationally. Um, you know, I would probably say the guy on the class that maybe, I mean, we've talked about, but whenever you consider the needs of the football team and and where he is right now and the ability to possibly start right out of the gate and who knows what the production looks like, maybe end up being a, a highly drafted kid. I think it's Devon Mitchell. Yeah, well, Brent talked a, a, a lot about him yesterday, man. Talk about he was one of the most important gets that they got in this class. Easy yeah. to see why. And I think whenever you combine him and the uh, – uh, what is it, Bauer? What's his last name? Oh, Bauer Sharp. Yeah, Bauer Sharp. Whenever you talk about those two guys, you know, for two – what you would consider unproven guys because, you know, it's not like he's a sharps, a a transfer in from, from Georgia or something like that. You know, he's, he's coming from a different division. So it's kind of hard to, I mean, it's really not, it translates way easier than high school, but you know, still, there's still some unknown, but for those two guys, that's, it looks pretty good that they would maybe walk onto campus and be, by maybe one and two on the death chart. Yeah, yeah. It, you know? I mean, I, I wouldn't be too shocked if, if that's the case next year. Maybe that's kind of the where the uh, where, where the favorites would be, or those who the favorites would be for to be your one and two tight end. So yeah, I, I look at like everything's magnified now with the SEC coming up. And Brent said yesterday it was one of the more important gets that they got in this class. And there were a couple of uh, important things that really happened in this recruiting class. That one. Just where you're at with tight end right now to get Devon Mitchell, your highest-ranked tight end that you've gotten in, in several years. like It was a very key time with where the position is to get a player of that caliber. But to go back to the defensive line with the SEC coming up, very important to get the best defensive line haul that you've gotten in maybe over a, a decade. You know, No doubt. So no there, there were a couple doubt. of very important things that happened with this class, and I think that they shored up both those things, at least in 24. But here, here's the thing, man. Great D-line class, uh, best one in recent memory. 
in this league, you got to do it again in 25, do it again in 26. You got to stack and stack and stack those defensive line classes in uh, in this oh, conference. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, we've put a couple of nice ones together. Just got to continue to do it. And I don't know. Maybe this year's D-line class isn't done. Uh, I don't know when when we hear what the uh, the kid out of Louisiana that I guess is technically still committed to A&M but Correct. has pushed back his, yeah. his signing date and uh, widely believed that Oklahoma was number two in that process. Maybe – Maybe has an outside shot there. I don't know, but that would that would be another really nice boost. Yeah, it would, but e- even if you don't get him, the defensive side is still, I think, the more impressive side or the better side of the football for the second consecutive year. Yeah. How, how uh, like three years ago, the thought of OU's recruiting class being ranked easily in the top eight and the, de- the defense was the better side of the ball at least one year, um, forget two, two years, back-to-back years, would have been a crazy thought three years ago. So it's, it's just nice to see that up and down defensively, when you look at these three classes they've been a part of, they're, they're, getting, um, they're, they're getting some nice players. They're getting some really well, good yeah. players. I mean, we've had some highly ranked recruiting classes Whenever you go back through the years, being in the top ten wasn't like a um, something that was outlandish. It happened routinely, but often it was, especially recently, it's been well. You got the one of the top, maybe the top quarterback in the country, and a couple of wide receivers, and that like really carried the bulk of the class. But now it's so much more spread throughout with. Highly ranked players on both sides of the ball, you know, spread across position groups, and I don't know it. You feel like it sets the team up way better, and you know, there's there's some teams out there that have done good and made some nice moves in the transfer portal, and they've gotten a quick little burst and won some football games off of it. But I, they are they going to be able to repeat it? It's going to be difficult for a lot of those. The teams that have the real solid recruiting base underneath and the bulk of their football team is made up of organically recruited guys out of high school that have been developed and earned positions and play there for multiple years, you're never going to be able to replace that at most positions. Wide receiver, you know, I some skill position stuff. Maybe an edge guy, like those those spots. I think you can fill in with transfer portal guys. But the real meat and potatoes of your football team, your backers, your safeties, uh, you want guys that have spent years in the system uh, that right. are communicating and controlling it. To the text line we go before we hit a break. Stephen Texas says, "If Drinkowitz was born in Norman, doesn't that make OU his daddy?" Ooh, mm. nicely done. I like the way you think, Steve. Nicely Very nice. done. Gunny says, I heard talk of Sarky approaching the Pork Aggies and the Meth Aggies about a, fo- a year ago, making OU a rival. I'm still not sure either fan base comprehends the English language, though. <laughs> yeah. Arkansas's the Pork Aggies, and Mizzou, is the, they're the Meth Aggies, at least for now, until we come up with a better name. But those are two Well, crud, I just think we'll keep the uh, the rivalries we got right now. Doug and Norman text. Here we go. All right. Doug says, if Teddy really believes that anybody is a four-star merely because of their size, he's a bigger fool than I ever imagined. Think Bray Walker. 
Uh, <laughs> would you? Number one, I didn't say size. I said size and athleticism. And would you like to tell Doug what I told you all the way back whenever Bray Walker was in high school? Uh, you thought he was too big to be attacked. Can't move. Yeah. Could not move and would not play at this level. So, Doug, I appreciate the text. Be careful <laughs> calling me a fool, okay? Oh, uh, boy. And D- that's how evaluation is done <laughs> for the most part. I mean, there are there are plenty. Uh, I, that's what that's Joey McGuire's in, in entire system is athleticism, size, measurables. That's what a lot of places do. Uh, All fools. Doug did send me a message on Saturday. Uh, he he's headed out to L.A. for the holiday season. Hope you're uh, driving safe out there, Doug. He did say that he'll listen once in a while when he's gone and text when you guys stretch credibility into absurd. So I, I I guess that was Doug checking in on his uh, holiday trip out to L.A. Good to hear from you, Doug. Appreciate it, Doug. Thank you for Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Serving a very needed role here. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Okay, we are due for a timeout. Hanging out at Dorsey Jones Buick GMC here in El Reno. The lot is full. Tons of stuff to choose from. I got pickup trucks out there, SUVs. They got new and used stuff in I'm, uh, I'm going to check in with the guys and see what kind of deals we have coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks here at Dorsey Jones Buick GMC. Stay tuned. Join the movement. The ref. Or the National Forest Foundation. See your somewhere. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. <sighs> Last night was a little frustrating, wasn't it, on ESPN? Yeah, it was. Man, some bad turnovers, some empty possessions there. And, man, just when OU would make a run, it's like, all right, here we go. Come on, let's get back in this. Down to five, cut it to seven. North Carolina would hit like a fadeaway three or something like that, or get a dunk at the dunk right at the rim. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was it was a frustrating night offensively last night for sure. Bummer. It was when you turn the basketball over and you don't hit free throws. It's a recipe for defeat. It was tough to watch. You know, I, I don't know. They've been really good from the foul line so far this season. So I I. I don't feel like it's going to be an ongoing issue with them. I guess you never know, but I don't know. It kind of felt a little bit like maybe the moment got them a little tight, yeah. especially the way they started off. So, But I then mean, they settled some, in. Then they settled yeah. in at times and had some really good stretches of play on, on, on both ends of the floor. It's just – and give credit to, to Carolina, I guess, for this, but every time it got close, man, it got down to five – and I feel like Carolina would uh, – like they hit a three. R.J. Davis hit a three yep. on the very next possession. It was just – it was one of those nights, man, like 18 turnovers. That's that's way too many. And a lot of turnovers that led to easy buckets, it felt like, on the other end for them. 16-24 um, to 24 from the free throw line. When I looked at that last night, I thought, oh, you was that good from the free throw line? Not that that's great, but it felt like they had more than eight misses on the night. 16-24. to um, They even had a – had a play where they they dunk it and they kind of miss the dunk and it's called for basket interference. It was just it, it was a it, it was a night where it was hard to get things going your way. 
and that was the wrong team in the wrong place for that to happen. Yep. No, that's right. Um, I think this team probably uh, – I, I think it's 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 probably good for them to go through some of this stuff, right, to go out I, on, I hope so. on a big stage and, you know, find what their flaws are a little bit and, and work through them. I mean, it's still a team that's just getting to know one another, <laughs> you know, honestly. Like, um, I – it was – it was a big moment. It would have been awesome to get that win. It would have been huge. But I feel no differently about the team coming out of it. Yeah, like, are they really the seventh best basketball team in the country? Like, I don't – I'm not ready to go there today. But are they clearly a team that's going to be playing in the NCAA tournament this time around and have a chance to do some special things? Yeah, man. I got My opinion of that does not change after last night. In fact, some no. had, a, um, had a positive view of of last night's game in that hmm. you played easily your worst game of the season especially on offense you had 18 turnovers you were 66 percent from the free throw line and yet it was a five point game with two minutes left and you had a chance to win it so yeah. some are taking that approach to it yeah i understand that you know the crazy thing is like it's one thing to say well we turned the ball over too much, and, you know, if we hadn't done that, it would maybe we win the game. I, Okay, yeah, well, you turned the ball over a lot, maybe because the team you're playing was really good defensively and you struggled against that. I, I didn't feel like that. I mean, we turned the ball over a bunch of, like, just unforced Unforced, errors. yeah, just bad, just bad cheap turnovers, for sure. Yeah, like, so to me, like, you, some of that you have to say, well, you know, if you play the game ten times, you're not going to turn it, like, you're going to average being way under those type of turnovers that we had, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm no expert on it, but we didn't shoot the three very well. I mean, we'd, we'd been – been really good at points and that's you know that's one of the things that always scares me is when a team is just lights out from three for like a stretch of 10 games or so and you get lulled into this feeling that well you know if you go out and shoot 45 percent from three every night well yeah you're never going to (laughs) lose okay yeah you're going to beat everyone but what happens whenever you have an off night and you're not just killing it from three and they'd had a couple of those but against a team the caliber of someone like North Carolina whenever you rely on it as much as they have up to this point and then it's not there and McCollum kind of goes cold you know you kind of see a a few more of of your flaws a little bit yeah I felt like they got out of their game offensively a little bit I think Porter said as much at halftime you know Mm they've been a team that relies on a lot of assists moving the ball and just kind of trying to run too much ISO there in the first half. And this text says first half shooting, 32%. That says it all. And they got off to a slow slow start. start. Yeah, Yeah. very slow. Brent from Jinx, too many turnovers, slow start, couldn't make threes. If we make three more threes, we probably win. Good game for them to learn from. And, like, you go back to the slow start, and it's something that we didn't talk a lot about going into the game. But looking back at it now, yeah, that that was going to be a key point in the game. That was essentially a road game. You didn't play at the Dean Dome last night, but playing them in Charlotte is the next closest thing to playing them in Chapel Hill. 
and with where OU had been so far, like just all, everything that went in the game, OU needed to get off to a fast start. And the worst thing possible is to get behind eight to ten points early, and that's that's what happened. And and, and maybe they panicked a little bit in the first half after that happened, but that was less well, than ideal way to start the game. Yeah, um, I'd say so. We didn't make a bucket until fourteen fourteen left in the first uh, first half. Yep. You know, we we made uh, someone hit a couple of foul shots. But you know we didn't make um, we didn't make a, a layup until what over over five minutes five five forty five had elapsed in the in the basketball game like you know it's that's tough to do and it's not like you just started pouring them in after that uh, you know you, you go I think a couple of more minutes before you you make another bucket you had a couple of like you didn't make another bucket until twelve twenty eight so you're almost halfway through the first half before you hit two two shots and you got in foul trouble down low pretty early on as well that that's not great when Armando Baycott is is down there doing the things that he did and this is a good text by KW the 918 because I thought this exact same thing at the time and then I felt like I thought it's uh three or four more times throughout the game KW the 918 says when Armando Baycott hit that three-pointer I said yeah this ain't happening tonight lol and he was yep. wide open over there on the wing, and he hit it. And, yeah, at that moment it was – because I, I I feel like that was another instance where maybe OU goes on a little 4-0, 5-0 run to kind of cut the game or cut the lead and make it interesting, and then he gets left open and hits that three. I thought that when he hit that three, but none other than late in the game, OU makes it interesting again, and Carolina hits the shot off the backboard with the shot clock expiring. You remember, yes. you remember that shot? Oh, yeah. That was the yep. one like, God. And then to make matters worse, they review it. My hopes get up again, and then they show the replay. Oh, no, he got that shot off. That's that's yep. good. Yep. So many moments of that last night. Last night was a pretty cruel game to watch as an OU fan. You know, I thought um, a couple of things. I thought um, – I thought we defended pretty good. Like we would put some nice yeah, long stretches together sure. of getting stop after stop, but we just we'd go down and we'd miss a couple of foul shots, or we'd turn it over, or we'd miss a jumper. We just couldn't capitalize. But the other thing, I I kind of felt like the officials were calling the game to keep us in it. <laughs> In in the second half. Well, God, that's a nice change-up. That hasn't been the case for you in a while. I I, I, did, I like those guys. Did you get that feeling there, at all? There was because... a call down in the block on, uh, uh, what's that kid, number three, that Carolina, there was a pretty bad call yeah. on him. Well, there was a couple of them where they kept calling, like, stuff away from the ball, and, you know, and I, they didn't really show replays of it, and I didn't rewind it and look, but I was like, man, we're sure getting a lot of those those calls away from the ball, uh, you know, giving us possession going the other way, and because we were in the double bonus quick uh, in the second half. But I don't know, uh, just a, just an observation. Mark and Enid says, "Yeah, it was like North Carolina wasn't going to miss yeah, that R.J. Davis kid. He's he's good, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He had a really good They're night good. last night. Four oh five missed three free throws in a row. Down three versus down nine is a different dynamic." Just weren't hitting on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah, that was that was not OU's best game. So good news, they scored sixty nine. 
Bad news, it wasn't enough to win the basketball game. I know. I know it. Sometimes 69 isn't going to be enough. All right? So Most of the time it is, but, yeah, last most night of it was time. not. I guess in Charlotte it's time. not good enough, so something to know. Yeah. Jay and Ellick yeah. says the benefits of last night's game will show up when we go on the road in the Big 12. And that was a That's tough environment hope. last night, and that is, that is not the toughest environment that you're going to see this year. No. That's kind of my hope is that you get one out of the way that, you know, it's a non-conference, it's a big moment. You get a chance to go play a big team in a, in a different style gym. I mean, it kind of replicates a tournament situation a little bit, you know, but I don't know. Hopefully it's a learning experience and they get better from it. They'll be all right. I, I'm still very optimistic about this squad, and still very much look uh, look forward to the uh, to the Big Twelve slate. They're 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 going to yeah. be a fun team to watch. So, all good. And then Duke Duke puts it on Baylor in the in the game before us. It's like, come on, man, let's go, let's go, Big Twelve. Yeah, I hate the Big Twelve. I hope they yeah. all lose. Right, I agree. I agree. Well. All right, let's hit a quick break. Keep the text coming, 651-3439. I'm hanging out at Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC. Our free app in the App Store. Just search KREF. You can take the ref wherever your app's on the go. That's KREF in the App Store. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. What's going on in the transfer portal today? Not much for the second consecutive day. The portal was very quiet yesterday because of signing day. Today, Casey Thompson familiar name from around here is in the portal for his seventh and final season but outside that man not a whole lot of movement in or uh, out of the portal today oh you still looking for a couple more offensive linemen and maybe a couple more defensive linemen as well not much nationally though either yeah I feel like um I feel like we probably have some time and you get through bowl season and and see what happens after after more players wrap up their season. You know, I not everyone wants to jump in the portal before a bowl game. You know, I, I think Malik a lot of Murphy guys definitely didn't want to. He yeah. did not want to at all from Texas. Didn't want to, but you know, at quarterback and at some of the positions, it's a little more pressing that if you want to get to a landing spot, perhaps you need to be out there on the market quicker because people start to panic by, um, you know, and I, I think that a lot of guys want to want to wrap up the season, go play in, you know, and, and maybe it's New Year's Six, maybe it's some of those better bowl games or guys that have never played in a bowl game want to do so. I don't know. I expect to see another wave after – people start to wrap up bowl bowl games and then we'll see what happens and it could be after after spring we got some guys late last year Correct. after spring ball in that second portal window so you would you know, like i mean I, ideally you'd like to have who you're really going to count on from the portal in for spring ball but yes there will be names that pro- oh you will probably add after spring ball as well like like you I, said like they did last yeah. year i would say it would be like if I had to pick a position, I would say offensive line I'd prefer to have earlier and defensive line I don't mind waiting. Um, offensive line, finding some continuity and finding your best guys and there's a whole lot of technique work involved in, in learning a new 
you know, a, a new way of doing things with Coach Bedenboe and how he coaches technique. Like, there's a lot to it. Offensive line is a very unnatural position. So to get in and, and get some snaps in this offense under your belt through spring, I would prefer. Not absolutely necessary, especially when you're talking about guys that most likely played a lot of ball, uh, but it would help. Defensive line, I mean, it's can you do the job physically or not? I mean, there's obviously a lot of technique involved there too, but I mean that stuff you can usually brush up pretty quickly, and you know, not not too mentally taxing on on the defensive line. Random. Um, th- this is to the recruiting class yesterday, and I think we brought it up during locked in. But you have two football slash baseball signees in Taylor Tatum and James Nesta. And I have a list here of some of the best two sport athletes that have ever uh, that that have ever been at OU. But uh, most of these guys are football and baseball guys. There's a football basketball guy. There's a football wrestling guy. Would football and baseball be the two sports that are easiest to um, easiest to manage? If if football is 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 definitely one. I guess it. Um, I guess it depend, depends on the player. And I think it really depends on the position, too. Um, Kyler like, was a position player. Cody Thomas, position player. Cade Horton was a pitcher. Brandon Jones was an outfielder, right? Yeah, I guess I'm more – to me it's more about, like, what position you play in football. Like, quarterback is – Most of these guys were quarterbacks. Yeah, quarterback is one where – uh, you'd prefer to have your guy there in the spring, but Kyler's just a different athlete altogether. Like he's he's a very unique guy. Um, like a running back, I someone may feel differently, but I would I would probably pick running back or wide receiver over any other position to be like. Go play baseball in the spring, and it's not that big of a deal to yeah. me. Well, what about linebacker? Because James Nest is recruited as a linebacker. It might be the potentially the opposite with that. And, and who knows yeah. where he might end up playing in a Brent Venables defense, but at least that's where he's recruited yeah. at. I was laughing, and I wanted to say this on stage at the signing day event whenever Coach Venables was up there, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you know, he's a linebacker and he's got a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, I was going to say, yeah, let's see what that fastball looks like after year one of college football Seriously, and those shoulders. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I, I kept that one to myself. You were at a, I, wait, wait, you were at a signing day event? Yes, where, was that at the uh, – The Noun? The Noun, yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't know you were there. No, it was cool. Yeah, it was, it was very well done. They had, I think, 250 people there. Donors had, had purchased tables and – you know, we did about an hour and twenty minute event where I had uh, Seth the Trail, Joe John up there on the stage to talk. Uh, Ted Roof came up there and talked. Um, Peyton Bowen and Eli did a segment as well. That was really cool. And then uh, Coach Venables wrapped it up there at the end. Did you call twenty four seven and on three morons for having Eddie Pierre Louis as a three star while you're up there? I did not. I did Bummer. not. I, however. Um, you know, I some people some people agree with uh, the physicality of the position, and and others do not. Um, I think Oklahoma is one of the the people that 
really like the physicality. And I guess, I mean, I saw some of this on Twitter. Did Venables somewhere suggest that he would look really good on the defensive line? I don't I, I don't think he said that during the press conference yesterday. I'll have to go back and listen to exactly what he said, but um we we've got audio from it. I I don't think But you saw play. that like people I saw people that you were that. I saw you were tagged in a tweet about it. I was like, "Huh? Okay, I need to go back and look at that." Yeah, Maybe that's someone, how I saw it. Yeah, well, it probably was. Yeah. Probably was. Um, best two sport athletes I can think of. Uh Brandon Jones. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray. Yeah. Cody Thomas. Uh Cade Horton ended up being a great pitcher for OU down the stretch of his career here. Ryan Miner, and then how about Jimbo Elrod? Great football yeah. player, great wrestler as well. Yeah, well, um, I think didn't Kelly Gregg did he win a national championship wrestling at OU? Uh, I I mean obviously he was a great wrestler at uh, Edmund North. I did did he end up wrestling at OU? Yeah, he I, wrestled I, I at know. OU for okay. sure. Then throw him um, on that list. Yeah, he was on there. Um, uh, I think we've had I think we've had a handful of guys that have wrestled and played football. I think Marquis so. didn't Marquis Overton more recently was he the, the, the most Maybe. recent name that did that. You may be right. You may be right. Um, there's been some guys. So, it's tough duty. Now, basketball is, that's an interesting one to pull that double duty. Uh, what, DeBrian Blanton ran track a little bit. Yeah, he was really gifted at track. Uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, of course. Yeah. Got to be on that list, too. Mm-hmm. That's right. Who is? Okay. All right, text line. Like, you're throwing out different names here. Um, Jimbo Elrod, yes, said that one. Uh, Brian Shackelford, Dean Blevins. But who is the best two-sport athlete of all time? Is it just too easy? Like, Kyler won a Heisman and he was a top, like, 10 draft pick? Is that that the easy answer or is it uh, Dr. Death or someone else? I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, like, like, what's the metric um, I would say it, you, you'd have to go off of, um, like, because there's been a lot of guys that have been drafted in baseball that didn't even play baseball, right? You, like, didn't play baseball in college and just got drafted there? I, I think there have been a, a couple of examples of that. Yeah. I mean, Kyler, actually, he played really well there for the one – he. Because I think one year he was kind of banged up with a hamstring, right? right. And then the next year he had didn't he, started, he have a really good. He started season? to hit some tanks that that yeah. last year he played baseball. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would say it would for me personally. I would say it has to be more about like what you accomplished on the field, not where you were drafted. If that makes sense. Sure. This might be my favorite text so far today, though. It says. Wayman, because jazz is a sport. <laughs> huh. There you go. Fair, fair enough. I, it, it, won't, uh, it won't take me a lot to say that Wayman is the best at something around here. That's for sure. Ilrod won titles in both sports. Top that, says a texture in the 405. Well, see, that's what I'm kind of looking for. And I wasn't, I wasn't sure on Kelly Gregg, but. but Wahoo right, McDaniel I, football and wrestling. And that's mm-hmm. a hell of a wrestling story. Wahoo McDaniel. Yeah. Oh, boy. Go go yep. look into that one if you haven't already. Okay. Ted Lehman, football and keg stands, two sport athletes. Never ne- undefeated record uh, at keg standing. Yep. 
Yep. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush. Oh, hang on. What about Baker Mayfield uh, football and gymnastics? Didn't he do that one gymnastics routine? He he did. He uh, he dressed in the leotard and everything. Um, he was not on the track team. We saw that in Fayetteville. So, that's <laughs> unfortunately. All right, quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap up hour number one next. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref. Grab no tumor on the spine. They sent us straight to St. Jude. My hope was gone. But when you get there, everyone's like, hey, we're not going to give up. And when you see other people not giving up on your child, that makes all the difference in the world. When I found out I didn't have to pay, I was just grateful. They saved my baby's life. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Cavens Group, bringing you the sour of the rush. If you have an emergency 24 hours a day, give Cavens a call. They specialize in fire, water, mold, remediation, and crime scene cleanup. It's Cavens Group at 405-573-3048. 405-573-3048. Uh, we've got some good text here on two sport athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one for the 405. Wahoo McDaniel once had a vasectomy in the day and wrestled that night. I don't know yeah. if that's true, but it sounds good enough. I spent the break reading up on Wahoo McDaniel a little bit. Um, Would love to very, have him on this football team, by the way. Oh, my gosh. How about this? Um, one of his uh, baseball coaches whenever he was younger, George H.W. Bush. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. Yep. I, who, who knows how Wah- Wahoo McDaniel probably charged the mound a few times back in the day. I would say so. Um, was a one, I think he multiple times state champion throwing shot at uh, Midland High School and uh, obviously had a long, awesome career in professional wrestling as well. And what, played in the, the NFL for what, 18 years, yeah. something like that? Yeah. Cherokee Sooner says Drake Stoops, two sport athlete, football and talking like a Jersey mob boss. <laughs> uh, and I guess that is true about Wahoo McDaniel. He got the vasectomy, and then he wrestled Ric Flair that night. Woo! Hopefully, How about he won. that. Uh, he also had a hundred-yard punts. Man, is this day going to turn into Wahoo McDaniel stories? Oh, yeah, I would. I did it. see that. Um, well, this has it as the longest punt uh, is ninety-one yards, is what this was, where he holds the record for the longest punt at ninety-one yards, but. He was Sigma Chi. Put that on YouTube, Turk. 91 yards. In awesome. The, in the air. Wasn't even a uh, friendly bounce. Uh, by the way, uh, big news of the day in college football. Looks like Florida State's just going to come out and say yesterday or tomorrow, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and leave the ACC soon. They got a mm. big meeting tomorrow. Apparently it's going to have a ripple effect in college sports. So buckle up. Here we go again. I like it. Give me all the content. All right, quick timeout. We'll be back with hour number two. Here from El Reno, Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC. Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? You're listening to the home of Sooner fans, KR 